Hi, I'm Anna Marie Cox, and you have a product on the loose. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I know the rules of proximity. Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Bureaucratic outsourcing. And general duality theory. Today we'll be talking about The Island, which is available for free on Pluto TV, which we could have a sidebar on Pluto TV if you wanted, Dan. I kind of love it. It's like I, watching TV. I actually rented this on Amazon Prime because I don't even understand Pluto TV. So I've got to Pluto figure TV it out, is just like TV. It's like old oh, fashioned. Okay. It's like watching TV, like with channels oh, and wow. things are on only okay. at a certain time. Oh, so, like, so you can't like. You, you can't just do I need order to, like, Do I need to get out my old DVD player in order to be able no, to but you can VCR flip around. You can be like, I wonder what's on. And oh, then that's interesting. Let, and then let chance determine Ooh. the thing that you watch. I like rather that Rather than idea. spending three hours Googling, what should I watch? <laughs> <laughs> Best new TV shows on Netflix, which is like, if you looked at my search history on a weekend night, it is largely... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what are the best new TV shows on <laughs> Hulu? What are the best oh, new TV shows on? <laughs> well, this is part of, more importantly, we're watching the island because this is part of Oh! <laughs> April. <laughs> Running towards camera. Yes. <laughs> and also, I should mention that you can also watch it uh, on Amazon Prime and all your other... Yeah. All the other rental places. Yeah, it is April. Uh, mm -hmm. We are celebrating April with the, with the films of Michael Bay. This is the only <laughs> time we will have a April celebration. I think we discovered a little bit late in the process. He doesn't actually have enough science fiction, unless you count the Transformers movies, which we we are next week doing the first Transformers movie. We are doing mm -hmm. that. Yes, yes, we are. We have to. It just yeah, it's, it's April. Yeah, it's April. Okay, so Dan, we usually give our socials. <laughs> at this point <laughs> yes that's increasingly complicated to do now anna or just a shorter segment <laughs> right <laughs> or weirdly longer <laughs> I, I think the simplest way to put it is that i have a Substack, and now Substack is apparently trying to develop a notes feature which is very similar to twitter twitter doesn't like it so if you don't like me or if you want to follow me or if you were following me on twitter you should follow me on Substack now Anna is on Instagram and also has her own website, AnnaMarieCox.com, and you should definitely follow her. Yes, and we'll just never talk about Substack as a business model ever. We're just going to just <laughs> ever, ever. I will say, yes. as Doug O on our Discord pointed out, Substack had subtweets sitting right there as a name. Mm. They also Ooh. had one they could actually use short stack that would have been good with short stack yeah, yeah you're right that that would have been good oh well no enough. more commentary okay. no more commentary on yes. Substack's business model yes I'll just keep you up to date offline mm -hmm. <laughs> all right dan we mentioned it's april mm -hmm. but why april <sighs> anna why this movie at this time april means loud explosions and futuristic sci-fi shit and impossibly good-looking people as the leads, and a convoluted plot that does not quite hold together. But did I mention the really hot people in this film, Anna? Some really hot people in this film. I mean, just insanely hot. We're going to be talking about... two yeah. that are... Well, Jaimon 
Jimon Hansu? Hansu. Yeah, Jimon I think three. There are at least so three. So I would go with three. We, yeah. Michael Douglas. Michael, Michael Clark? Duncan Clark or Michael, Michael Clark Duncan, Duncan Clark. Clark. Also yeah. has like a pretty. Like he doesn't have much screen time, but his physical specimen. Yeah, he's he's a he's a good looking guy. Yeah, is no, no, no. presented in a very lovely way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the point is so, is that there's a lot of pre- there are pretty people in this film to watch, and that is that might the most very enjoyable well be, thing about it. Not just the most enjoyable thing about it. That might be like the single sentence version of a Michael Bay production at yeah. this point, because yes, it's that's. You know, it's, it's the through line. Pretty people plus explosions. Pretty sort people of like plus Pedro explosions. Pascal plus preteen, sudden preteen. Yes, like it's 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 the, the formula is impossibly good looking people plus explosions plus at least one three sixty shot of like the lead standing up, and I think you have a Michael Bay production. I did not get to listen to a commentary track. On this movie, Aww. unlike I know, uh, are you going the into commentary one. withdrawal? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, it, it is the the Armageddon commentary is just a thing of beauty. Uh, <laughs> but I was reminded of of the Armageddon commentary when watching this, in part mm-hmm. because something that Ben Affleck says in that commentary is that look how shiny I am. He said, like, and usually in movies, like they come and powder you down, mm-hmm. but in this movie, they 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 put more water on us. They made us shinier. <laughs> And I was like, "Wow, look, he has an aesthetic. Like, yep. these are these are hot, shiny people in this movie. Hot, shiny people. That's the that's a very obscure REM B side, yes. but yes, yes. If people want to watch this movie, will this podcast ruin it for them, Dan? Anna, I don't think it's possible for a podcast to ever ruin a Michael Bay film. So I'm just going to say no. I mean, there's not really major plot reveals that you couldn't see coming from well that's funny that you say that there is a major plot reveal but you'd have to be very new to popular culture yes (laughs) (laughs) you have to be it's almost as though you'd have been born in a vat for it to be right you'd have to be like you know like raised to be like children almost to to not figure out what is going on in this film yeah and i just want to say only michael bay can ruin a michael (laughs) yes i think that's that's largely correct Uh, yeah he does this is not i we were talking before we recorded i i think the way to put this at least for me i think you anna liked it a little more than i did i thought this was half of an enjoyable film it's not nearly as good as armageddon on any level whatsoever um it's just not close it's half of a very good movie and then but the other half makes it really brings the mean level down oh yeah pretty far yeah so yeah all right, now we get to previous experiences. Uh, so this movie came out, uh, believe it or not, almost 20 years ago, 18 years mm-hmm. ago, in 2005. Uh, Anna, what was your previous experience? Have you seen this film before? I saw it in a theater. Oh. My first husband and I, one of the things we did have in common was we loved the big dumb movies <laughs> and had a lot of fun going to see them. And I remember, I don't know if you do, that this movie kind of had a political splash. It was the really? time of the Terry Schiavo debate and oh, stem God. cell research being a thing in the news. The stem cell thing, I remember, yes. yeah, And Terry Schiavo, I do remember as well. So there were some hot takes about yeah. this movie. I, I believe the takes the takes they were made and, and hot. Or, you know. <laughs> Not as hot as the people, but, but still hot. Not as hot yes. as the people, but there were some relatively lukewarm takes about yeah. this movie. That's what I mainly remember about it. 
I mean, the two things I remember, I, I remember this was definitely a summer blockbuster. Like, this was a summer movie. I remember it had that vibe. I don't think I saw it in the theaters. It did not get great reviews. And so, it, I, I think, again, this is one of those movies that, for a brief time at least, cycled through cable on a fairly regular basis. I think I saw part of it, but I don't know if I'd ever seen it all the way through, to be honest. All right, well, then let's move right along. Dan, yes. do you have any questions for me about how this movie was made? I do. Let's get to the story behind the story. Anna, as per usual, a Michael Bay film is not just about Michael Bay, and to get something this mediocre, you need an awful lot of screenwriting cooks. So, why don't you tell us about uh, who was involved in this? Uh, the screenwriting team, as as such as it is, um, mm-hmm. is smaller than Armageddon, which, if people do not recall, included several <laughs> Oscar nominated people Tony, including so robert town and robert town were not involved in the making no, of the not at all not involved so this which is i think based... speaks very well to tony gilroy and robert town i'm just going to leave it at that although yeah. this is a worse movie so yeah that's what i'm trying uh, to say yeah and 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 the script is particularly bad like i don't yeah. neither of us in our script mentioned the terrible humor but maybe we'll get into that like in debris field because <laughs> oh yes the intentionally funny lines are not Actually, funny. I think in the debris field, I've got the two funny lines that I thought were legitimately intentionally okay. funny. Yeah. All right. All yeah. right. We'll, yeah. we'll get there. Uh, yeah. So the script was written by Caspian Treadwell Owen, uh, mm-hmm. who is a beautiful name. Hap- I mm-hmm. think it's a real name. Uh, he has two screenwriting uh, credits. One is this mm-hmm. movie, and the other is an Angela Jolie film about being an aid worker in Africa. So... To quote Owen Wilson and Armageddon, two diametrically opposed films. Got it. Okay, yes. that's all you had to say. Two di- diametrically opposed films. Yeah, go yes. ahead. Uh, and then after DreamWorks optioned it, it was uh, doctored by Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi, who at the time mm-hmm. were known mainly for Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Xena, Warrior Princess. <laughs> they were brought in specifically because they were cheaper than other screenwriters. So totally fair. Got him at a bargain. They yep. did go on afterwards to write the Star Trek reboot. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's something to. They also did Alias and Fringe, and I know people really like those shows. I've never, they've never caught with me, but but they're they're well regarded. And also, okay. I will say we're going to run into them again because I believe they also wrote the screenplay for the Transformers films. Oh, there we go. And it was, in yeah. fact, it was the first collaboration among Spielberg, Bay, Katzman, and Orsi. Spielberg executive produced this. Oh, I didn't know also, that. Oh, yes. And I knew he executive the Transformers. I didn't know he was involved right. with this. So this was their first uh, okay. collaboration mm-hmm. with that group. Mm-hmm. Okay, Anna, one of the interesting things, so I, I will say one of the nice things about going in sequence is that, you know, there are actors in this film that we saw in Armageddon, not just major actors like Steve Buscemi and Michael Clark Duncan or Michael Duncan Clark, but also some bit players that actually, you know, recur. So The clearly, redhead. Uh, the redhead yes. FBI I think guy. I Shawnee Smith. I think that's the, the actress's Shawnee name. Smith. Yeah. Um, but uh, and also like the the bartender in this film was the mission control guy in, in Armageddon. And the guy that you like, the uh, oh no, he was in the core. The guy that played the Secret <laughs> Service agent has a very small role. <laughs> that's in what this I meant. Film the redhead. Also. That's what I'm talking about. The redhead. Yeah, but he was But yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but you're he right. He was in the core and not in this. But he plays the he, same yeah. character. He's like got Basically, that yeah. character. He yeah. really. He's like any movie that has that kind of character should have that actor. And yeah. at some point, we should actually say his name. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, like, so clearly there are partners or collaborators who continue to work with Bay, and yet. We've talked about this before. Bay is kind of in like the cancelish, you know, zone. Like, you know, there's enough information to suggest he's not the he easiest person to work with. He lives on the border of Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, he's I'm kind of curious 
how like he manages to to draw people in to work with him. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the way that he approaches. Not just it's not really Transylvania. It's just he has a specific work style. Let's say. <laughs> I'm sorry. He has a specific work style. Sounds like you sound like a lawyer for Trump now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Trump has a specific work style, and I think yeah. that's what explains why he's doing what he's doing. He doesn't okay? really mean what he says any yes. any any of the time. So you, you cannot can't take say he's any lying. of his words seriously. <laughs> so it's called Bayhem. Ah, and okay. it has okay, a name okay. that people on set refer to it as Bayhem. Okay, and. Michael Bay himself. I watched a making of featurette. Oh, there were some, some good quotes. So Michael Bay himself says, so I get to there on the first day, no hellos. I walk in and I walk to camera position and I'm like, put a camera here, put a camera here, put a camera here, put a camera here, put a camera over there. So there's five cameras and the camera department's like, oh, we only have one camera built. That's it, dude. But I say, if you're going to work with me, do you need more people? It's a plan. I do. Like, you know, I just to show them how this is going to go. So basically the first day of filming. Okay, time out. Hold on. I'm sorry. Just from like, I'm a professor, which means I'm a horrible manager of people. But even I know that maybe letting the camera folks know in advance that you're going to need multiple cameras might be a better way of going about things. Might be. But he says, like he says, literally, it's a plan, a little thing just to show this is the way the movie is going to go. <laughs> So Bayhem so, is his brand. It's not an act. It, it, it's his it's, brand. And yeah, okay. uh, there's some talking head crew members in the featurette <laughs> whose names I, I did not catch. But tell me if you think that this is might be actually a subtweet, as it were. A Straussian um, comment, as it were. Yes. One of them said it. One of the effects guys says, we call it Bayhem. It's the Michael Bay style. And you either get on board or you don't. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> You've done your homework, but you know, there's going to be more and there's always more. <laughs> wow. That is a stirring letter of recommendation. I can't believe he hasn't gotten nominated for an Academy Award yet. <laughs> and another one. This has been a pretty energetic show for us, especially working with our favorite director, Michael Bay. <laughs> so, you know, going in, it's not going to be a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> Promotional film. Quotes <laughs> like they didn't like... put in. Imagine what what they got from the crew that that they left on the cutting room floor. <laughs> yeah, I do. I want to see the outtakes from the making of featurette. Just to Where see, they're like, what, what a fucking asshole! <laughs> Can you believe the dick we had to work with? I mean, Jesus, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And there's some quotes from the actors too that, again, like. I wonder that they left on the cutting room floor because this is Michael Bay. I'm leading in with my Michael Bay says of himself. I tell the actors, you better work out because you're going to work hard. You're going to run hard. You're going to have some bumps and bruises. When you do action, you're really going to get the accuracy in there. You're going to have to get a little dirty and make it real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so that's what he says to the actors. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, so I'm no. going to try to do the most flat affect possible here okay i had a really nice experience with michael he's very friendly and funny and crazy and that is the only thing she said 
if you watched it, what was her what was her facial expression when she was saying that? Was like I'm trying like, to do it. Was there clearly a gun facial... off camera? Okay, there might yes. have been. It's also the okay. only thing she says in the featurette. The wow. only thing she says. And then Sean Bean says he's a perfectionist, and you can see what he's trying to achieve here. And he throws in things and really keeps people on their toes. <laughs> I have this image now of Michael Bay like just randomly throwing shit at Sean Bean as he's trying to act. Like also just what if that's like the nicest thing you can say is oh and then then Ewan McGregor this is I saved this for last yeah I wanted to kind of want to do it in a Scottish accent but I want okay go Uh, no I'm not okay there are a great many creative people in the world who are also a nightmare to be around and with Michael he's not a nightmare he's Michael Bay. (laughs) <laughs> Woo! That so is... there you have it straight from ewan mcgregor he's not a nightmare i now admire ewan mcgregor more because that is like about as like i've had to read letters of recommendation where you know someone doesn't actually say exactly what they think but if you know how to read between the lines you know what they're saying that was a ewan mcgregor could write an interesting letter of recommendation is all i'm saying He's not a nightmare. That yeah, not a nightmare. N- not a nightmare. I mean, really, the the blurbs <laughs> for this film write themselves. Not a nightmare. <laughs> Michael He's Michael Bay's Bay. blurbs. The blurbs that Michael Bay himself would have, right? Yes. <laughs> you ask me. Ask me why they keep working with him. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So Anna, I, I mean, clearly, it's obviously a pain in the ass to work with Michael Bay. I think that is the understatement of of the year. And, you know, he's produced some good films. He's made some mostly bad films, I think, unfortunately. Why? I mean, why do people still work with him then? Is it the paycheck? There is a paycheck factor. Right. I will say that. But there are some other things that the actors said about about the movie and some things Mm -hmm. that Bay says and that are echoed by our sage Ben Affleck in the Armageddon commentary, which is that he gives actors a lot of freedom, in part because he walks in with hardly any script, right? The script is like the least important thing to him. And this is something like... In this film, that is accurate. Yeah, yeah. So I read an article or part of an article. There's like an 8,000 word piece, an American cinematographer about Mm. this movie. Like that gets into the technical aspects of it. Because it is... We have mm-hmm. to say it is beautiful, not just beautiful. People. It is it, it in the sense of it, it is a standard Michael Bay production in the sense of it is gorgeous to look at. There is no denying that. It, 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 and it, in some ways, he's got a challenge because, as we'll get to, he's trying to present something that is sort of near futuristic, which is in some ways the most difficult thing to do, I think. And he sort of pulls it off. I don't think he entirely pulls it off, but like it's I interesting he, to look. I think he pulls it off, especially for if you watched it in 2005. I right. think it does look like near future. Now, we'll talk about hilarious you know, whether that to holds look up. at yeah. nine. Yes. But, yeah. So, I th- so you know, Ben Affleck talked about how Bay lets them do multiple takes. He, ha- he mm-hmm. does long takes. He lets them experiment with stuff. And actors love that. And now, again, this is a part of that is because yeah. he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let the he children cares, play. <laughs> he cares a lot about how things look in the end, right? Right. And he cares a lot about literally how they look. Like I said, there's this long article in American Cinematographer about mm. it. And it has things in it that make me think, this. okay, this is why he keeps getting people to work in him work with him there's 
even though we had uh, super technocranes and stratocranes, uh, it was a guerrilla shoot. You might <laughs> even have five minutes notice to move four cameras two blocks because the sun had just come out behind a cloud. Oh, wow. It's certainly one way to make filmmaking interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, you know, we're, but we're no, no, doing... excited. Like he's excited. Like yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to be sarcastic reading that. I, I, you get the idea of reading this, like, they are interested in what he's doing. It's kind of funnier quote because it's so uh, uh, opaque to me. HMI lights never really feel like the color of the sun. <laughs> we frequently use dinos with spot globes. The extra orange of the tungsten gives you some extra punch and feels a bit more like sunlight. So, like, people work with him because parts of this are craft. That oh, is yeah. my theory. No, but and I think that's that's the thing we should stress about Bayprill, yeah. which is that not everything in this is good, um, particularly this film, but like Michael Bay more generally. But the fact is, he is really good at doing some things. Like even his worst stuff, like there is craft. It, th I think this is probably the worst film we're going to watch of his. And there's still craft you can admire in it. Yeah, that explains why he keeps getting the people he gets. Like he keeps yeah. making movies because they are for the most part, pretty successful. This one wasn't mm -hmm. a, wasn't at that successful. It wasn't a bomb. Did, it did make back what it cost. No, but this did lead him to make Transformers. I will say that. That's the one thing yes. I am aware of. So there are paychecks yes. involved, but I think the reason he gets the, the, the kind of actors and the kind of cinematographers and the kind of respect he mm -hmm. has in the industry is that he cares a lot about certain aspects. Yeah. Like hotness. Like All hotness. Right. <laughs> yeah, let's let's start. Let's get into the hot. Let's get to Chekhov's What's It. Uh, this is the thing that appears in the first act of the film that might wind up being relevant come the third act of the film. Anna, what do you have? I have Chekhov's Lying Eyes. Oh, that's a good one. Very Thank good. You. I was worried yes. that you were going to spot that. And no, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. No, I went for the more obvious, which is Chekhov's Latin. So, yes, you know, the Chekhov's boat, Chekhov's right? boat. But I liked Latin better because like, okay, yes, Renovatio. Yeah. But yes, that is yes. funnier. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. OK, now now is the time, Dan, the plot, which is actually there's kind of a lot of it. I mean, yeah, there is more this than there should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said, this is another trope with Michael Bay films, you know, post Armageddon, which is there is a tremendous amount of overcomplicated plot, which is weird given how he like, you know, shoots stuff. But let's get to the plot. Act one, so you had a bad day. It's not easy being Lincoln Six Echo, Anna. He's having recurring violent nightmares. His sodium levels are too high to permit bacon for breakfast. He's forced to wear white all the time. And anytime he gets too close to the exquisite Jordan 2 Delta, someone separates them like it's a Catholic high school dance. This might explain why Lincoln is so grumpy. Another reason could be that it's July 2019, and the outside world has become too contaminated to support life. A pandemic in 2019? That's crazy, Anna. <laughs> Lincoln, Jordan, and others live in a facility that looks like if Google headquarters had a three-way with an Equinox and a Techno bar. Every once in a while, someone wins the lottery and will move on to the island, nature's last pathogen-free zone. The facility's head administrator, Dr. Merrick, meets with Lincoln to find out why he's such a sourpuss. This includes inserting very painful microsensors through his eye to collect brain data. Lincoln then visits the power facility where his Wh friend... Okay, which, by the way, kind of never revisited, except they kind of use them as trackers, and they could use something else as trackers. And my theory is that he just thought that would look cool. He thought that would look cool, but did you see that... I hate to say this, you do see them again. He goes to the bathroom. 
Right, but they don't like you could have done anything. Like it didn't have to be the optical nerve. Oh like, right, yeah, yeah. No, whatever. no, I think I agree. It's 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 again, it's like a totally optical. I mean, that was like a rare moment in this film where I was like wincing and like you know like it, reacting. It, it is a to cool it. scene. Then you yeah. do wince, but it's just never like the thing no. that they're supposed to do. Yes. Not. Also, well, no, like they do provide the data, which provides the big reveal later. But like, I will say this, like it's the world's slowest data gathering because like that. Yeah, they keep, they basically have like 10 second scenes throughout most of the films. Like, have you gotten the brain scan? No, it's not ready yet. Well, get on it. Like, you know, and then yeah. like uh, not until minute 120 do we get to it. All right. um, Sorry. That's OK. Lincoln then visits the power facility where his friend McCord works. On his way back to the compound, he discovers a live moth in a ventilation shaft making him wonder if the outside world is really contaminated. That evening, after Jordan kicks his ass at simulated fighting, she wins the lottery and is scheduled to go to the island in the morning. Lincoln is sad. All right, Anna, let's just get right to it. <laughs> let's get to the incredible hotness of the two leads. Scarlett Johansson is literally glowing for much of this film. I mean, she is a spectacularly beautiful woman. She's been spectacularly beautiful in a lot of, of films. This, you know, like she literally is just, you know, gorgeous. It, it's yeah. really very distracting to, to look at her. And as for Ewan McGregor, I would argue the single most implausible line in a film littered with implausible lines was the cafeteria worker telling him, you ain't cute. I'm pretty straight, Anna. He's totally cute, Anna. <laughs> he is very cute. He's, yeah. you know, he is not classically handsome. I think we can agree. Like, yeah, sure. He is more hot than handsome. If that makes sense, yeah, like yeah, yeah he has he yeah. has the charisma and like yes, he does. The, he does have that good underlying bone structure, but he is not like chiseled. He's just he's, but he's incredibly attractive, right? And that might be, by the way, why it's it works somewhat within the context of the film because he really is actually very grumpy throughout the first third of this film. He is very grumpy, yeah. And we're not going to start talking about the implausible stuff here, Dan, are we? Because no. we try to keep I, these I, shows under an hour, around an hour. <laughs> I, I saved that until and the end, but like... We could really kind of tie ourselves in a knot right here. Would you say I described <laughs> the facility correctly when I said it was like a Google headquarters? Oh, I think it just looks like Google headquarters, period. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The tech, the, the, there's that there, techno there, bar there scene that does windows. not look there like anything windows. in Google. Okay, yeah. that actually... so. I can, now that you've mentioned one of the things that bothered me, I have to say, yeah. there's a lot of employees for a secret, you know, compound. Like, there sure yes. are a lot of people yeah. who work there's... someplace else and know right. what the compound is. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like a bad security risk is all I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, um, so that's strange. And also, like, where did they all, like, at one point, the Sean Bean character is like, yeah, I was once a survivor too, and now I run the facility. And it's like, that? Hmm. Like, like, that seems implausible. And like, what determines whether people are residents of the facility or working at the facility? It's not really clear at all. It's just kind of no. weird. Yeah. And then the other thing, I, I this and there's more, but I just want to say it here. Yeah. This is not a good business model. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, at one point. Lincoln asks Tom, how much did I cost? Right. And Tom says $5 million. What the fuck? <laughs> you don't build the thing and how much it would cost with the stuff and how many people and that risk. Yeah. I can't even. 
put my... Let me put it this way. I can't. I, my words a, aren't... The, I, I can't use my words. It's so weird. Anna, I think the way to put this is that it's about as implausible as the, you know, cover story of the island, which, you know, st yes. starts the film. Because, like, I mean, it. first of all, like, if, if you watched a single trailer of this film, you knew that was bullshit. But, like, even if you did not watch anything going into this, within the first five minutes, you are fully aware that there is something way off, you yeah. know, about the cover. So, like, it, it's not, like, the plot reveal of, oh, my God, it turns out it's not like a, a contaminated Earth is, like, the least surprising thing in this film. Yeah, usually movies that have this kind of setup do a little more... Like, the hands are waving for a longer right. time and more elegantly. And as you would put it, I think Michael <laughs> Bay doesn't give a shit. Like, he just nope. doesn't care. Yeah. Nope. There, there are things yeah. he cares about. And plausibility and internal consistency, not one of them. Yeah. Continue. All right, let's get to act two. To catch a super hot person, one has to think like a super hot person. After another nightmare, Lincoln decides to take the insect back to where he found it. He follows the moth to the medical section where he discovers the lottery is just a system to selectively remove inhabitants from the compound. After their organs are harvested, or they deliver children as surrogate moms, which, by the way, I thought was, like, both the being, single most like, horrifying thing. Actually. It was just, like that was legitimately like creepy. Like I, I like there's a part of it that I was horrified, but I was also glad they put that in because that was actually more plausible to me. Believe it or not, you know, weirdly. Um, Although, yeah, since you use that word, plausible. Yeah. I'm sorry. How yeah. did she get pregnant? Yeah. I know, or how do they explain the pregnancy? That was the other thing. Yeah, like, I got how she could have been pregnant. Like, I assume it was, you know, it but, was... Uh, but they're not supposed to know about sex. That's one of the things they say. That's the no right, touching. Right, right, right. Well, I'm assuming it's like an in vitro fertilization thing. Right, but like, the do they just say to people, like, this is how humans reproduce. There's no such thing as sex. Like, what the... like? I don't know. Like, that. <laughs> it is a weird thing where, like they, like, they say later, no, 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 we don't tell them anything about sex, but like... There's clearly a pregnancy. Like, I, I think at one point they said there's only one of 12 stories. Like, presumably one of them is, oh, and then a miracle occurred and you yeah, were yeah, pregnant. Yeah, yeah, One of them is Jesus. One of the 12 yes, exactly. stories, one is, of 12 stories is, is actually Jesus, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so that might be it. Anyway, after those organs are harvested or they deliver the children, they're killed. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about implausibility, by the way. Like, at one point we see Starkweather, uh, you know, being operated on. And he comes to because the anesthesia doesn't work. The doctor actually says, I don't want to harvest this liver from a corpse. And I was like, what are you talking about? This person is going to be killed. That made yeah. no sense to me. Like it was it, like that was a bad piece of, of screenwriting. And there's Black there's Hawk more being coming. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, exactly. Lincoln is caught on a surveillance tape, and Merrick orders him apprehended. Lincoln grabs Jordan, and they escape to the outside world, which does look pretty desolate. Merrick procures the services of Blackhawk Securities' Albert Laurent. Merrick explains that they are violating a whole bunch of laws and don't want the DOD to know about any of it. Because the DOD is so Would be famous horrified. for... Oh, yeah, they'd be totally Not appalled. wanting yeah. to go beyond the letter of the law. No, 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 that's... no, no. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Laurent promises discretion. After walking for miles, Lincoln and Jordan find McCord's favorite dive bar. McCord takes them back to his place and tells them the truth. They're agnates, clones developed as adults and on call in case their sponsor needs an organ or a skin graft or a surrogate womb. The bullshit about the island is so they are kept ignorant about the real world and never question their environment. Lincoln decides that they need to find his sponsor, Tom Lincoln, a boat builder based in Los Angeles. Boat McCord builder. helps them. 
a boat. <laughs> he is a boat builder, right? Like I'm not. I didn't get that wrong. A yacht designer. Yacht designer. Okay, boat builder. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to make him more yeah, generic. Yeah, okay. he's, he's, okay. he's a real salt of the earth guy. Oh yeah, totally salt of the earth. McCord helps them, getting them normal-looking clothes and train tickets from Yucca to Los Angeles. They board the train, but not after Laurent's team kills McCord and just misses apprehending them. So, Anna, we, we talked about this before. Depicting the near future can be hard. And I think you're probably right that maybe in 2005, this didn't look bad. It ages really poorly, mm. though. The 2005 version of 2019, not great. Indeed, the pandemic might be the most realistic part about it. You know, paper maps, MSN information directories, <laughs> a functioning Amtrak train system. You know, come on. This Maglev is all Amtrak. Matt, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is a theory that uh -huh. the product placement in this movie, which is extreme even by <laughs> Michael, Michael Bay. Bay standards, yep. like really just obscene product placement is one of the reasons <laughs> it did not succeed. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that is true. Dan, I do you want to play a little game okay. about yes. naming the number of brands, naming the brands that are present in this movie? Ooh. I have a list. I have okay. the list of how many right. brands, of, of what brands are represented here. So okay. there are... Hold on just a second. Let me count. I actually should have done that before, but I did not. Um, there are there are 18 brands represented in this movie in a significant fashion. So good lord. I'll just give you just take to take a shot. Okay, Aquafina. Yep. Yeah. Well, obviously Microsoft or MSN or whatever that, that yes. was. Cadillac. Yes. That okay. product was never actually made, but uh yes. But I mean, they, they, they say it. Um, yeah. Okay, now I'm trying to, uh, now I start to, because again, you see like brief glimpses of stuff, but okay, I'll, I'll those are the three. Are you, okay, so mind. Xbox, American oh. Express, oh, Tag, yeah. Hewer, Mack Trucks, Cisco, Bose, mm -hmm. HP, Sprint, Samsung, Sony, Apple, mm -hmm. Ben and Jerry's. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the Ben and Jerry's. Yes, I did see that. Calvin Klein. We well, literally yes. see a Calvin Klein ad. Like there right, is that like was actually a, very a, funny. Yeah, an ad, um, an Xbox, and very prominently, oh, and Speedo. Ah, okay. And Puma, and it is the first shot of the Puma sneakers, which is very loving. All of these things, by the way, are presented very lovingly. And Amtrak, yes, of course, agreed. also. Yeah, um, and Amtrak. Yeah, that, yeah. And there's a shot, very early shot of the Puma sneakers, and I just wonder what is the you know, thought process behind, yes, we want to be the sneaker of choice in the dystopian hellhole <laughs> where they treat humans like cattle. That is I what think... we want. We want our shoe to be the thing that the meat puppets wear. You're overthinking this, Anna. What they're thinking is, <laughs> are we going to be in a Michael Bay film? Hell yeah. Let's go for it. I'm sure. I also, I also like to think that maybe, I, I, I'm curious about this. Maybe the reason there's so much product placement here is that, correct me if I'm wrong, his film before this was Pearl Harbor. And he probably yes. couldn't have had any product placement in Pearl Harbor. No, there Harbor. was product placement in Pearl Harbor. There was product placement in Pearl Harbor? Coke. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. But come on. Like, okay. There, yeah. he, right. By definition, he had to have restricted plot of product yes, placement. Restricted. Shooting a film yeah. in 1941. Maybe it was like, okay, now it's off the rails. I can go wild. Like, maybe he was overcompensating, which is a theme in Michael Bay films. 
I also um, want to want to point out something that that happened in this segment for me, uh, which yeah. is that I, I believe that in this film, it should be noted for historical purposes that Scarlett uh, Johansson used up her lifetime supply of open lipped confusion. Anna, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to lie. My, I think the moment I laughed the hardest in this film is when Jordan is in Los Angeles. They've just gotten there and she sees the Calvin Klein ad, which is a real Calvin Klein ad that Scarlett Johansson appeared in. And it was... Props to to Scarlett Johansson for actually being able to play this. But I think the emotion Jordan displays there is like, am I that hot? Oh my God. (laughs) I had no idea. If I touch my lip, is that how... It is honestly hysterical to watch yeah, that sequence. Yeah, and that that look of open mouthed confusion. I'm going to say yeah. open lipped because on her yeah. it doesn't look gape mouthed. Like on no, a normal she doesn't look human, stupid. she just looks. You would yeah. be like, oh, that person is gaping in confusion because that's no. what gaping looks like. With her, it just is a she, parted lip. It's just wonderfully innocent, and you just want to tutor her, like you know. Very and, but that particular scene, she uses up multiple instances. Of, she does of yes. the you know. <laughs> Limited supply, limited lifetime supply of those looks. You only get so many. I know. I, I suspect we won't get many of them going forward in terms of Scarlett Johansson's career. And again, it is a credit to her as an actress that that is like, I did laugh at it, but like, yeah. it's not because she's not trying her hardest. It's because it's an absurd moment. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. is. I, it, and it is a literal ad. It's a literal ad. I don't know why I'm yeah. emphasizing that. Everyone knows this is this is who, this is what the movie is. It's how Michael so Bay works. And again, if there is a running th- well, I mean, if there's a running theme to Bayprol and like what we've seen so far, it's that you're right. Michael Bay chooses good actors. And one of the things that good actors do is bail out Michael Bay yeah. when there's just absurd shit happening in the plot. And that's certainly true in this film. There's no denying that. All right, speaking All right. of plot, moving, moving, yep. moving. Let's get to Act 3. We're an hour in and Bay hasn't blown anything up yet. What the fuck? Arriving in L.A., Jordan and Lincoln wander the streets and learn that Jordan's a supermodel who has been in a serious car accident. Before Laurent can get to them, the police arrest Lincoln and Jordan after they use McCord's credit card. Acting on orders from Merrick, Laurent's team crashes into the police car holding them, but not before Lincoln sees the address of his sponsor. For about the next 20 minutes, Lincoln and Jordan try to evade Laurent's men with the help of the world's most clueless truck driver, Anna. Like, mm. I, I know we're talking about lots of plot holes. This one might have been my favorite, though, because, like, they're basically on the back of a truck that just has, like, heavy, like, iron casting stuff. <laughs> and for about 10 minutes, they throw this stuff or, like, you know, put it off the truck. The truck never slows down. Mm. You never see the truck driver. The truck driver appears apparently clueless about all of this. Clearly anyway. it's a Tesla. <laughs> I did wonder if actually it was an automated uh, yeah. an automated uh, driver, but that would, that would have been interesting. Anyway, they also elude uh, a flying bike. After giving Laurent's men the shake, they take a cab to Tom Lincoln's. Well, it turns out that Tom is a bit of a narcissistic prick, but he fills them in on Merrick's business. Tom has cirrhotic hepatitis. Did I pronounce that correctly? Cirrhotic hepatitis. It it can be caused by excessive alcohol. Fair enough. And will need a new liver in a few years, hence Lincoln's very existence. Tom agrees to help them to go to the press to rat out Merrick, but Jordan can see that his lying eyes are lying. Mm. Yep. With Lincoln driving, Tom guides him into a car chase that ends with Lincoln tricking Laurent into believing that Tom is the clone... 
and Lincoln is the real person, and thereby Laurent kills Tom, thereby allowing Lincoln to assume Tom's identity. Seemingly free, Lincoln and Jordan finally figure the sex thing out. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it, also legitimately funny. <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yes. for, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That tongue thing is great, is actually, yeah. I did laugh. That, that was a good line. You have to admit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they French said, kiss, and he's like, oh, wow. Yes. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, he's got to wait, wait till you see the rest there. Oh, yeah, buddy. exactly. Anna, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am developing a theory about Michael Bay's action scenes, and it's that they don't work really well when the stakes are so low. And that's kind of how I felt watching the second half of this film. Like, with Armageddon... Stakes very high. And when we get to Transformers, I think the stakes are actually reasonably high there. With this, eh, you know, it's just a simple car chase. But, like, I, w I was underwhelmed by it, I guess. I think that this is the weakness of... Well, there's a lot of things that, that happen when you don't have a good script, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but one of them is... I think it's very hard for actors to rescue stakes. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. the best acting in the world still will have... a if it's if you're just doing a car chase right like you can't act your way into feeling like that's a really important car chase if right. it doesn't feel like it's an important car chase so yeah. i think you're right I, and also it's somewhat ironic i think i'm even using ironic uh or maybe it is coincidental or 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 simply interesting that tom tom's heel turn which starts mm -hmm. the second half like when he turns out he says he's going to help them and then he doesn't it's a, you yeah. can kind of see it coming but i remember yeah. the first time i saw it i was like oh Huh. Interesting. Because one of the movie's pieces of clone logic right. is that the clones start to have the memories and personalities of the people that they're cloned from. Mm -hmm. And so it is interesting that in this particular case, like Tom is a total prick and you know, Lincoln, Lincoln is a good person. So it is interesting that... Yeah. Tom turns on himself. He's not a good person at all. I think the way, the way but then, we put but it, then is, it gets rapidly yeah. uninteresting. That's my point. Right. And I think even irony, correctly using the word irony, to <laughs> for 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 that to happen, like it's oh, sort of interesting. Oh, he's not the same. Hmm. He's going to betray himself. And then I mean, it's it's surprised. weird in that there are some legitimately interesting ideas in this film, and I think like with with better screenwriting, if Robert Town and Tony Gilroy had been involved, <laughs> maybe it actually would have been a better film. Because like I I think there are some genuinely interesting ideas buried beneath just a whole bunch of crap. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not really developed at all, and that's that's unfortunate. All right, speaking let's get of unfortunate, yeah. Let's speaking continue. of unfortunate, <laughs> let's get to Act Four. We're quoting Bill Cosby now. Uh, so Merrick's team figures out why Lincoln was having bad dreams. A cloning defect has caused his brain to start developing his sponsor's memories. They suspect half of the Echo clones will develop the same rebellious streak as Lincoln, as well as the successive generations. Merrick decides they have no choice but to destroy all those generations of clones and the successive ones, and that's a $200 million loss on it, which I think they say multiple times. Also, they, can be that's a low, low number. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he's in $2,005. Oh, no, no. It's in $2,019. I take that back. Yeah. yeah. They notify Lincoln, thinking he's Tom. He and Jordan decide they have to rescue their friends. Lincoln returns to the compound as Tom. Jordan allows herself to be caught to assist with the plan. Laurent, seeing the brand on Jordan's wrist, suddenly develops moral qualms about the clone's treatment. He helps Jordan liberate the clones targeted for incineration. Merrick shoots Lincoln with a harpoon gun as he tries to destroy the holographic projectors concealing the real world from the Agnates, but then Lincoln gets the gun and kills Merrick, thereby fulfilling the Sean Bean rule of film. The clones are freed, seeing the outside world for the first time. 
The movie closes with Lincoln and Jordan sailing away on one of Tom's yachts. Anna, is now a good time to talk about the many, many plot holes of this film? Because <laughs> there's a lot of them, which might explain the extremely creaky screenplay. My favorite weird moment... And you moment... can tell that we have a script because now... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> asking about plot, plot, plot holes. Yep. Like we hadn't discussed them before. We hadn't talked yes. about it before, but let's get to it now. Yeah. Um, but my favorite moment, like weird moment, is McCord saying that wealthy people don't want to know about the clones. And then I think less than 30 seconds later saying they won't care about the clones. Like, you know, it was this weird conversation that really didn't, you know, make any sense. He, all the character motivations in this movie might as well yeah. have been drawn from a hat. Right. They no rhyme or reason, really. I mean, like the, the Laurent character turns out he was a child soldier, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which I kind of even saw. I maybe I saw that before, but like he does do a very significant look at the brand on uh, Scarlett Johansson. And, and the thing, and also Bushimi as a fairly low level worker, I guess, mm -hmm. is has a, a lot of care and consideration for these two clones. <laughs> like, no, he, he actually. But he, he contradicts his own statements. That's the yeah. thing that I found. His, yeah. Yeah. Well, also, he developed. I mean, I'm not saying like, I mean, again, because it's Bushimi, like we kind of buy it. But like he right. goes to elaborate lengths and is, in fact, killed. <laughs> he sacrifices himself. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. He does. Not that yeah. you shouldn't do that, but it's just it. it's a weird little twist. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Sean Bean thing. By the way, I, Sean Bean rule is that your first name and last name have to be pronounced differently even though they look the same every time i see i know you mean that he needs to be killed but sean yes. bean it should mm -hmm. be seen bean or sean bon <laughs> right? actually it's funny you mentioned this because i remember when i was in uh when i was in second grade i had a friend named sean it was spelled s-e-a-n and i called him seen throughout like i kept insisting <laughs> no it's seen i see how that you read that like i know what that's supposed to be it's supposed to be seen and like I, you know for like a whole year I did that. Then finally someone told me, no, it's pronounced Sean. I was like, wait, what? Every time I see his name, I have to like remind myself, no, don't, no, they don't rhyme. They don't yeah. rhyme. They don't rhyme. Okay. Uh, I, I want to say something about the the filming again, the, the, mm -hmm. the gorgeousness yeah. of this movie and not just, in, not just the actors, right. which is the last scene of the, the clones. That was know, a gorgeous shot with the clones like on the mountain. Yeah. The clones on the mountain. And it is weirdly moving as well like i found that's emotion. why they weren't all white yeah and i was reminded of our sage ben affleck's comment and mm. <laughs> this is gonna that's the ur text of, of this month that you know some of some of armageddon looks like the, the sort of nostalgia scenes or the the scenes of the, the heartwarming yeah. scenes of armageddon look like right. genuine light ads mm -hmm. and then he says but i like those ads this yeah. looks a little bit like an one of those ads. It's shot in this. Right. It's shot in that way that commercials can yeah. just play you like you know a harpsichord, right? Because like, that's what you know. Commercials are what, commercials are like. How can we elicit an emotional response from you within thirty seconds? That's you yes. know, and that's yes. what and Bay occasionally is you know started in this world, and he's pretty good at it. He's very good at it because you yeah. you get it like that little yeah. scene. You're like, oh wow, I'm really happy for those clones, and oh look at look at Laurent, and look at that meaningful expression yeah. on his face, and yes, and it it works. No, <laughs> and I will say, J Jimon Hansu is this is largely a thankless role for him. Yeah. Like he's mostly just shouting into a walkie-talkie for like the first two thirds of the film. But he does have a scene with Merrick with Sean Bean at the end, and it's sort of why it, it it has to be in there to explain why he has this change of heart. But I, again, 
credit to Hansu because he acts the hell out of that scene and makes it. what is a pretty implausible character change actually pretty plausible. Like, yeah, again, that's, he, that's the other like implausible shift. There's like the Bushimi yeah. character, McCord, and then him, which yeah. he, at one point he says in his little speech, I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. He's right. a fucking like, you know, mercenary. <laughs> yeah, he's a merc for God's <laughs> sakes, you know. Um, but, and, and again, but, but like, it's Jamana. It's like, he's like, I kept thinking, wow, he really has been affected by this. And God, he's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dan, I have a question. We talked. Yes, we talked about the movie a lot. There's a lot to say yeah. about this movie. Weird. There's there's an unusual amount to say about a movie that that is so not good. Uh, <laughs> but I have a question: Is yes? Is there IR in it? Oh, Anna, why do I got to be the guy who tells the kids there's no Santa Claus? Because there is some IR in this film, but maybe it's not quite what you think. So there are really two levels of IR. The first and slightly more accurate and I, it's hard to use the word accurate in this in this context, but is the emphasis on DOD contracting and outsourcing. And it's interesting, in some ways, the way in which this is a film of its time is that 2005 was really around the beginning of like both media and scholars noticing the role that private contractors played in military operations. Um, we're you know talking about Blackwater and then Blackwater's successor and so forth. And so it makes sense that Merrick would be able to find mercenaries to actually hunt down his quote-unquote property. And it also makes sense that his research um, was funded by $120 billion in DOD contracts. What's not clear at all, and what I think actually would have been more interesting if it was made clear, is what the Defense Department thinks it's getting from that research. I mean, I assume they think they're getting organs and such for wounded soldiers, but... If the DOD is paying $5 million per unit, I mean, I know we talk about government procurement outrages. I doubt the DOD would be willing to pay that much for, for organ replacement. So I'm I'm legit kind of curious what they thought they were getting volume from the research. Dan, volume discount, Volume discount. Yeah, maybe that's it. The more basic IR is the message that McCord tells Lincoln and Jordan. The one thing I can tell you about people is that they'll do anything to survive, which I'm going to add, again, McCord promptly contradicts that with his own behavior because he says that and then he helps them out he gets them train tickets and then when seeing the mercs actually tells them to run because and then get shot dead i think the implication that mccord and the film is trying to suggest is that it's a doggy dog zero-sum realpolitik kind of world out there and there's no denying that sometimes there is and we see that with tom's sort of heel turn but the script itself suggests that this premise is badly flawed it's not just McCord who sacrifices himself. Lincoln and Jordan risk their necks to help their friends. They were free and clear. You know, I mean, there's a way in which this film could have ended 20 minutes earlier. Um, Laurent changes his mind and helps them as well. <laughs> and would I have been a little bit grateful? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, what I'm not sure about is whether this is a purposeful or accidental subversion of the premise on it. Like, I don't know if the screenwriters were smart enough to say this and then contradict it or did they just say it and not realize they were contradicting it? And I'm legitimately unsure about that. It would be interesting to know. I'm mm -hmm. leaning towards unintentional. Yeah. I'm leaning towards getting feedback that we need to have some heroes. Like, <laughs> imagine, like, how grim this movie would be if it really was filled with people who just did you know, who, who just did the real politics zero sum stuff, right? Yeah. And they need a real villain. So they need to contrast because 
It's not because the villain, they poor Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> well, what he's not given happen- a lot, and he's also just like he's he, he's what is villainous about him is we are told in this very explicit way that he has a god complex. Like yes, very. Like, explicit Laurent way. literally it's, says you have. Says, I mean, I don't think he says those words, but but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, and so it needs to. He needs to be the the one bad. He needs to be the super bad. Right. Yeah. So no one else can act in the same kind of like self-serving way. I think. I think. I think that's part of it. I guess. I mean, Tom Lincoln winds up being a bad guy as well. But like you, yeah. act, you, you can live this way. The difference is the following: with Tom, you understood why he did what he did. You might have thought that he yeah. was a narcissistic asshole, but he wants to live. Like that's actually an accurate description of what McCord says. Sean Bean's character is kind of weird because, like, first of all, he's Sean Bean, so you know he's evil, like, yeah. from the get-go. That's problem one. But, like, the other problem is is that in the second half of the film, like, in the first act of the film, he acts sufficiently ambiguous so that you're not entirely sure what his motives are. In the second act of the film, he just goes full-out villainy mode without really any, like, I mean, I guess God Complex is supposed to be the explanation for it, but it's not done terribly well, No, it's not done. They just keep telling us that's what yeah. it is. Exactly. And like, and, and, and Sean Bean kind of amps like up the, weird, like, he weird. amps up the caricature a little bit, I guess, towards yeah. the end. And again, I cannot believe he actually used the Bill Cosby line at the very end. I know. I know. That I, was, I, I, I have that in my notes. Yeah. For that those was, who are not familiar, I brought you into this word and I can take you out. Right. In a completely unironic yes. way. <laughs> like, I, I just, I assume the, fil- the the screenwriters somehow didn't know that was a Bill Cosby line. Like, I, 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 I how could you put it in, even in 2005? I know, like, I know. I, leave way, I think it's another data point that suggests that there was a lot of unintentional stuff in the screenplay. That's the only conclusion I can come to. Yeah. All right. So, speaking of intentionality and unintentionality, Anna, I have a question for you. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan... You know when you really want something? (laughs) You close your eyes and you wish for it really hard. (laughs) The market is the thing that ignores you. Uh, And that is especially true when you're trying to use a summer blockbuster to critique capitalism. Because superficially, Mm -hmm. superficially, speaking of intentionality and unintentionality, there is a critique of capitalism in this film. Right. Mm-hmm. Like treating, there's they use the word product. <laughs> right. <laughs> to describe humans in this way, they might as well have highlighted it and underlined yeah. it and like been like, see, see, see what we're saying. <laughs> humans are products. See. <laughs> so that's intentional. Right. What's unintentional is they it's undermined quite a bit. I, I yeah. think perhaps more than any other movie or set of movies and maybe any other Bay movie, sincerely. Mm-hmm. The island illustrates how it's almost impossible to use popular culture as a critique of capitalism, like mm-hmm. to, to use the vehicle, to drive the vehicle and take it apart at the same time, right? right. Uh, if the vehicle of the criticism is trying to sell you the thing it's criticizing, it's not a criticism, it's a rival product. And I don't think this is just about hypocrisy. Like, oh, you like, you know, oh, how dare you participate in the system that you're criticizing? Like, you know, that is not a we all have to participate in the world. And I don't think that undermines every single thing out there. Yeah. I think that Michael Bay's own values (laughs) and own attitude. He's not really a critic of capitalism. Yeah. And I just think that that just it it, it is conveyed in the visual language of the film Mm -hmm. and his other choices 
it, you just he might even be intentionally how could he not unintentionally be trying to do some kind of critique right mm -hmm. but just yeah. the all that product placement and I, I've thought about it a lot and I think it's interesting like he's not interested in humanity or philosophical questions he's just not no he's just not he's interested in blowing shit up it's because there are interesting thought experiments having to do with cloning right like right. lots of movies been made lots of arguments th that people have about it it just he, this movie shows like what if you took a very serious and interesting philosophical question and then gave it no <laughs> thought whatsoever right <laughs> What yeah, if you did basically. Plato's Cave, but with explosions? <laughs> what if right, Plato's now, Cave? I actually but almost want to give Michael Bay twenty million dollars to make a short film called The Cave, <laughs> in which he makes Plato's Cave problem come to light. Like he only has to, he only has to shoot fifteen minutes, but like yeah, I bet it comes it would to be... life. But instead of a fire flickering, it's C four. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like... exactly. Yes. And there's a massive chase scene and murder. Oh sure. Well, sure, because there's animals in the cave, Otto. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, there's going to be weird shit happening in the cave. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it came to me watching, actually, the final part of the movie, which has just as much product placement, even though it's gotten super, like, grim. Mm -hmm. He's He is not arguing for the inherent dignity of humans. He is celebrating the dignity of products. <laughs> he doesn't want us to treat each other better. He wants us to treat products better. Like... <laughs> That the important thing about Lincoln and Jordan isn't their humanity. It's their productness. Mm. It's that they're worth a lot of money and that we should value things that cost a lot of money. Oh, that's good. I mean, $5 million at least. Yeah. yeah. There is a line that I'm pretty sure is intentional, but it still made me laugh. Like an intentional, mm -hmm. perhaps intentional critique of capitalism. Yeah. Which was? But it's, but it's when the... Uh, Tom and Jordan are in a car, like, and in, in uh, not Tom and Jordan. Um, it's when uh, Tom and Lincoln are, are in their chase scene, and right. uh, the mercenaries are coming after them. And Tom shouts something like, "They're shooting my car! Oh my god, my car!" <laughs> <laughs> and I assume that's intentional, right, yeah. to highlight his values. But at the same time, that is the moment when I was like, "Oh, that's what Michael Bay cares about." Yeah, like that is most that that those are the things he doesn't he doesn't want us to value humans he wants and that's not why lincoln and jordan are important they're important because they're really mm -hmm. cool products and hot don't forget hot oh. and and very very hot they're very. really hot okay things falling off a truck things falling off a truck. it's time for discordant notes this is where we take questions from the Discord. And by the way, I don't think we've mentioned the Discord up until now in this podcast, Anna. Uh, but one of the, the fun I reasons... Did, I did. I oh, did. Oh, we didn't say how important it is. We didn't say how yes. people join it. I just mentioned right. it. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Discord. Dan, we have to do an ad for the Discord. We didn't ask people to become patrons either. Oh, my God. If you've gotten this far, everyone... <laughs> We are bad Michael Bay clones, Anna. <laughs> Please. That's why our critiques of capitalism are so good. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, I'm going to call you Bay 6 Delta. <laughs> uh, if you have gotten this far, you should become a patron. And one of yeah. the benefits of becoming a patron is you get to join our Discord, which is amazing. Right. I love the people on it. There's such a, mm -hmm. such a diverse mix of folks, and they have such good conversations i do think it has been my refuge from twitter oh like it is it sort has of been, taking, i've been using taking a more, place yes. yeah, yeah taking yeah. taking a place that twitter used to have if not in my heart then in my thumbs 
you know. Another reason that you should uh, potentially join and become a patron and join the Discord is because we will elevate questions from the Discord yes, to the podcast. that is what the Discord notes are, in case you yes. didn't make any, in case none of this made sense. Right. Now I think we've that explained is, it all. Okay. Be- yeah. Better okay. than, than Michael Bay has explained the island. Yeah. Uh, so Zach Gabal asks, is the island the most generic name for a Michael Bay film? I'm going to say that, like, so he also made Bad Boys and The Rock, which aren't exactly, you know, specific names. But yeah, this is probably the most generic name. But you know what? I'm not going to hate on a generic name for a film. It's a bad name for the film because the island as a construct gets discarded within the first 25 minutes. So, like, I I think you probably could have had a better name. Um, But it's also worth noting that sometimes great films have generic titles. I always forget the title of Out of Sight, which is my favorite Steven Soderbergh film with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. It's like it's a completely forgettable title. Completely great movie, though. I it's interesting what one considers forgettable. I don't consider Out of Sight forgettable, but it mm-hmm. is a very good movie. I agree it is, is one yeah. of his best, if not his best. Yeah. I think that calling it the island is hilarious. Like I just <laughs> I I it's one of the many self owns in the movie. Like he, that he just does stuff that just is so self sabotaging. One of the other ones is something I mentioned before, which is where uh, we made a reference to, which is at, at some point um, when McCord is telling Lincoln, like, oh, all the, your memories are fake. Like, that's just he says there's only 12 stories. They change right. the details, but they're all the same. And I'm like, oh, yes, I did huh. like that. That's, yeah. that's, okay, that okay is, Michael. I, that is, I think, the, that I have to think that Michael Bay added that line himself. Like, that's the one time where he contributed to the screenplay. <laughs> Oh, God, it's like hoverback debris or something. Or, you know. Yeah. I don't know why I'm making animal noises. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. <laughs> uh, it's something. I don't know. It's debris. It's debris, yep. Dan. We're in the mm-hmm. debris field. Uh, animals sometimes in the debris field. I don't know. This is where we talk about the things that we haven't already talked about. We've gotten to a bunch, but mm-hmm. there's always something, Dan. Do you have anything? I have a few things. One thing which is, is that I kind of wonder if the same stunt woman who was in the the MCU for Scarlett Johansson first appears in this film because there's literally, you know, like in some ways we kind of get the Black Widow preview from from Scarlett Johansson, mm. both doing the the sort of fake fighting scene with Ewan McGregor and like some of the same moves that we see Black Widow do, like where she's like on her back and like manages to jump up. You know, full. So I kept wondering if, like, was this the original film where Scarlett Johansson met her stunt double? (laughs) It is. That is a good scene, too. And it's it's pointless. Like, it's just to have some fighting because there hasn't been any explosions. Just just to have some violence, Mm -hmm. you know, get, get some violence out of the way. I think we mentioned, we've mentioned Steve Buscemi's in this movie. Kind of mentioned that a lot. It's an important role. Yeah. He does so much with so little. Again, it's sort of almost mm-hmm. interesting. I got a little like taken out of the movie because I was like, oh, I, it's interesting to watch him. This is how he's doing that. Like I'm sort of right. I, I got caught up in watching his acting. Yeah. <laughs> because again, the, it's the tricky. Drawback like, of, of having good actors in a bad. No, movie. It, like I mean, like, a lot of the actors. I, I, this is not a great film. There are a lot of actors working really hard to try to make it a better film, but they're given such a crap screenplay that it's really hard. And I, Buscemi's role is an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Your turn. Um, okay. I, I don't normally. All right. Let's just list the casual misogyny in the film. Oh, um, Dan. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Dan. So, Thank you like, for taking that off my plate. 
Yeah, I, I, so I have two obvious moments, and I'm perfectly willing to have you add others. The first obvious moment was, uh, you know, it's where like Steve Buscemi gives them, uh, as they're fleeing, a credit card and, and some cash and says, don't ever let a woman you know, use the credit card. I was like, give me a fucking break, but like, whatever. The other one, which is like, again, shows the inaccuracies in the plot. Like Scarlett Johansson, like Jordan kicks um, Lincoln's ass in the fake fighting. And yet when they're actually fleeing, you know, it's Lincoln who has to fight the real guy. And you see like Jordan cowering in a corner, which doesn't make a ton of sense because you would think that the skills would translate somewhat. So it was just sort of weird there. There are others. I mean, the way they treat, you know, Jordan in the bar is not great. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, but th- it's, again, are... it's, it's the sea we're swimming in. So Yeah. And the way McCord treats his wife, also not great. Although oh, I my did... God. That yeah. is actually the part I thought you were going to talk about. Like, no, no, it's... no. That was I was aware of that as well. Yeah, that was that was awful. although I did like. I'm I'm glad they didn't kink shame McCord is all I'm going to say. Like I actually did think the it seems like they have a positive sex life. That's all I'm going to yes, say. Yes, they they have a they have a healthy sex life. I will just say that w- w- having already mentioned it, give the movie some credit for an unintentional, really brilliant critique of patriarchy. Yeah, with the pregnant woman oh, being yeah, yeah. the surrogate, killing your right. surrogate, especially yeah. living in Texas right now. Oh yeah with a judge having just tried to ban the abortion pill nationwide the idea that Although women's correct, bodies so just to are not provide their context, own. i believe a, a washington state judge issued a yes. contrary order so i don't know what the hell the actual i don't know what is. it's it's yeah. it's likely to go to the supreme court which yeah we'll see yeah but i got genuinely creeped out watching mm-hmm. this incredibly vivid and literal <laughs> illustration yeah and that's Again, a woman's Bay, body not being her own. Bay is a good enough filmmaker so that, like, even in stuff like this, there are genuinely affecting moments. And I, I agree with you. That was definitely uh, one of them. Okay, we. my last thing is that we talked about a lot of unintentionally funny stuff in this film. I thought there were two legitimately laugh-out-loud funny lines. And actually, you see these sometimes happen in, in Bay's later work where he has, just sort of has these amusing little asides. The first is at one point the Mercs are going up the elevator to try to catch Lincoln and, and Jordan. One of them says the other, tough day. And, and that, that was legitimately funny. Like, that's a nice, like, tiny little note. You know, like, that That was that was legitimately witty. And then also when, at the like, a couple minutes later, when Jordan and Lincoln fall from the building but miraculously survive, and, like, the construction worker, you know, takes them in and, and you know, is, like, saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Jesus loves you. And then looks at Scarlett Johansson and says, I know Jesus loves you. That was also <laughs> funny. And I thought non-creepy. Like, that was that was a compliment. That, was, that would be the way I would put it. I am going to just do one of the things that I wrote down. That I'm basically using this time as an excuse to read this note that I made, uh-huh. which is in the cafeteria scene when yeah. Scarlett Johansson uses her feminine wiles, actually just her charm. She uses She's her just charm. her charm. That's fair. Like, come on, be fair. Like, it's yeah, not yeah, feminine yeah. wiles. She uses her yeah. charm to right. get some of the bacon right. that he wants. That Lincoln, but yeah. Apparently neither of them are supposed to have. I don't know why they have bacon in that cafeteria at all. It's <laughs> bad for you. Yes. But she gets the bacon and, and she's for him and she fingers his bacon, Dan. <laughs> I think we should close with that. I think that's the that that ends the debris field section as well as we possibly could with this film. All right. Good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. Then we're done. We're actually done. I won't yep. leave people on that note. We'll leave. We'll end the debris field, but fingering one's bacon. <laughs> do with it what you will, everyone. Yeah. Do with it what you will. We will end the podcast. Uh, we did forget to talk about becoming a patron. You go to patreon.com slash space the nation. You get to be on the discord. Someday we'll try to sell stuff. You know what? I, the reason why we don't have merch is I'm just trying to, you know, uphold the dignity and integrity of our critiques of capitalism, Dan. <laughs> and you respect the rules of proximity. I, and I respect the rules of proximity. Uh, we do have Transformers coming up. And then uh, to wrap up April, we're going to do The Rock because the Discord said we could. They said it counted. Excellent. Oh, I'm glad to hear this. Thank you, yeah, Discord. The, the because The VX da- gas, the glow-in-the-dark yeah. gas, counts as sci-fi. Yeah, because we couldn't have done more than one Transformer film. There are limits to what Anna and I are willing to, to do. Dan, we haven't thanked Karen in the podcast. Oh, God, lately. it's been a long time. It really has been a long time. And we should thank Karen because, listeners, it's it's hard to describe, particularly in this year, how ragged some of our recordings have been. And yet you would not note it because Karen turns our dross into gold. Yeah, she makes us sound smarter. She mm-hmm. puts up with sometimes quality of literal quality of recording yeah. being not so great. She she literally makes us sound better, both like smarter and yeah. not wonky. Mm-hmm. And she is a wonderful person. She was my producer, uh, editor for my podcast when I lived in Minneapolis. So that's how I know her. When we talk about the unexpected gifts of the pandemic, you and I have both said Mm-hmm. that doing this podcast with each other has been a real gift to become better friends, become pretty yeah. close friends. And yeah. I think having Karen in my life continuing to be a big part of my life is another reason I love this podcast. And it, you Aww. know, it, it wouldn't happen except for all the other crazy shit that's happened in the world. But I am grateful. All I can say is, is that I would hope that Karen gets voted to the island for real, <laughs> as opposed to the plot of this film. <laughs> All right, the island is us, Dan. The island is us. <laughs> the island is the friends we made along the way. Yeah. And that is it for this episode. Until next time. Keep this channel open for more. <laughs>